You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Swipe East, Swipe West, the dating and culture podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley, and you can find us on Instagram at Swipe East, Swipe West and TikTok at AshDavy underscore A-S-H-D-A-V-I underscore. <laughs> um, so I hope everyone had a great couple of weeks. Um, I'm currently recording this intro in my bathrobe on Saturday morning, so I'm off to a great start today. I'm going to day drink with some friends in Venice. I'm super excited because it's a group of friends I haven't gotten to hang out with a ton, and I have this New Year's resolution where I'm trying to go to a different place in LA at least once a month because LA, as I've talked about, it's with the distance and everything spread out and traffic, it's really hard to get around. So I'm really trying to break out of my comfort zone and do something different. So I'm excited to finally start that today. But in the last two weeks, um, if anyone's new here, I do give like a quick little life update for anyone that's interested. You'll get to see more real-time updates on my TikTok, little, little plug. But the Rams won the Super Bowl, so went out and celebrated that in Long Beach. And it was kind of interesting because coming from Philly, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the whole city went crazy. Like everyone was out in the streets celebrating. It was it was insane. And at least down in Long Beach, like it was kind of duller, I guess. Like people were out at the bars, but like the streets were empty and everything. And then I heard from others that like downtown LA was a little bit more crazy. And obviously there's differences. Like LA has won a lot more sports events than um the Eagles. <laughs> so that was like a diff- really interesting thing for me to see. But Aside from that, I'm a little giddy today um, because I did my laundry last night, Friday night, as one in their 30s does on a on a lit weekend evening. And I like saw these really cute two guys in there. And of course, I'm like immediately texting my friends and we have this whole chain about how I need to be a spy and take photos, which I did not do because I just could not get myself to do that. And one of them like tried talking to me. Of course, I like get awkward and nervous because that's just my personality when anyone attractive approaches me and I'm not prepared mentally. And um, he was making fun of me because I bring my laundry in a suitcase in like this giant LL Bean duffel bag because don't judge me, um, which is funny. I just said that once you listen to this episode, but I do my laundry like every few weeks because I have to go to the laundromat and I just, you know, have enough underwear, like that college mentality, even though I'm 30, don't have any unit laundry. It's like a pain that I have to go. And I have this giant duffel bag. It looks like I have a dead body in there. And this guy's like, is that your whole closet? And I was like, uh, maybe it's not. It's not even close. Like I'm no. I live in LA. I have way too many clothes that anyone should have. Anyways, we awkwardly exchange. I'm like stressed and sweaty. And then I leave and I'm like standing on the street, like getting my bearings. And this dude runs outside like after me and he's like, hey, can I get your number? And I was like, oh, oh, like, okay, sure. Um, So he gets my number and he's like, I'm going to call you later. And I was like, uh okay sure. Like thinking it's just, you know, like an expression. And I get home and I'm like doing some work on this podcast actually and he starts calling me and I like had a full-on like panic attack I was like am I supposed to answer this like I why is he actually calling me does he want to like meet up tonight so of course I let it go to voicemail and then wait for him to text me because obviously like everyone knows like if someone doesn't pick up and you need to talk to them you text them so I waited like 30 minutes and I got no text so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the bigger person here and call him back. And I did. And I like 
somehow had a phone date. I hate phone dates. I hate anything virtual. I'm very old old school. And he was like, so tell me about yourself. Like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, tell me something people don't know. And I was like, I don't know. I like anime. Like I have a Sailor Moon poster on my wall. Like, (laughs) yep, that's that's how it went. And he's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing some things, but like maybe we can get coffee sometime. And I was like, yeah, sure. You can probably hear the pain in my voice, like the agony. Um, as I'm explaining the story. So that's my latest um, update with dating. Um, that was very unexpected. Like I was literally in my like last set of sweatpants that don't even match as I'm like doing my laundry on a Friday evening and <laughs> that happened. So and now I'm going to day drink today and then I'm going to hide in the desert for two days to decompress because I've been a little stressed out and, and depressed recently with just all the things I'm doing. So sometimes you just got to hide hide in sand. So anyways, that's my life update. But with all of that, I'm super excited for this week's episode. I have guest Chris Marhefka with me. He is an emotional and spiritual coach and CEO of Training Camp for the Soul. So I was super excited to talk to Chris. Um, This episode is a little bit different. It is focusing more on cultural aspects versus I know typically we talk about geographical, but we talk a lot about how people are raised and how your upbringing and your relationship with your parents affects what you bring into a relationship and about just different relationship dynamics and working through that. And also about Chris and his work and how he can help people kind of break through any problems, whether you're in a relationship, looking through a relationship to make sure you're showing up in the best version of yourself and also shutting out all of that excess noise, like excess noise about judgment, kind of like how I just said before, don't judge me and other things that can hurt you in a relationship and cause you to not have a positive one and trying to figure out internally what you need to do to help improve yourself to shore up for a relationship versus putting a lot of times like blame on others, myself included. I'm like, he did this wrong. He is this wrong with him. He does this. And and instead looking inward and saying, well, what am I doing? What do I need to adjust? So I really enjoyed talking to him. It was very enlightening for me. I definitely walked away thinking about a lot of things um, in a different perspective. And you'll hear that throughout the episode. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. So Chris, I'm so happy you could join me this week. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ashley. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks again for joining me. So you're an emotional um, and healing coach. So can you talk to me a little bit more about that and how you got into that and what that entails? Yeah. Well, I've been a a coach in in some aspect for the last 15 years. And uh, for me, it actually started in fitness. I was a personal trainer many, many years ago. And um, as I started to develop, my skill sets got deeper and deeper. And uh, that went from fitness to nutrition to lifestyle to mindset and performance. And about three and a half years ago, I found myself stuck in my own life. And I had all these tools. I was reading hundreds of personal development books and listening to all the podcasts and getting all consuming all the information. Yet I still felt really stuck in my life, even though I had all these tools and strategies. And around that time, I was introduced to some deeper healing and emotional work 
where it got into some subconscious patterns and beliefs. And this was very different from what I was doing up to that point. It was all like mindset work and it drastically changed my life. It changed my whole trajectory of where I was going, how I saw myself, how I saw the work that I was doing in, in the world. And as I was doing up until that point, I was just taking what I learned and sharing it with other people. And so that's how I got into this work. I actually ended up partnering with the founder of the program that I took as a client. So I did this program called Training Camp for the Soul. And that was the thing that really just catalyzed my growth trajectory. And uh, about a year later, I started partnering with her and mentoring with her. And uh, now we run the company together doing this work. And basically, the, the foundation of it is that we all have um, a set of belief systems that pretty much run our whole life. And we're aware of some of them. A lot of them are unconscious. And yet they control most of our decisions. And these are things that we've learned from mostly our parents, but also, also of course, our, our culture, where we grew up, the country, the state, community we, we grew up in, our school system, but largely from our family and our parents. And so the work that, that I do now is in identifying those patterns uh, mostly the ones that aren't serving you, the ones that are holding you back in life and keeping you stuck and teaching people how to systematically replace them with something that is a better, a better suit for you. No, I think that's awesome. And that's important because I think people get stuck in a certain pattern a lot. And, you know, people, I think always joke, like, I don't want to end up like my mom or I'm, I'm acting just like my mother and exactly. yeah, into those types of behaviors. So that's really interesting that you're able to identify that and then help people break out of those ones that are potentially toxic or, or not benefiting them in some sort of way. Definitely. So as far as relationships go, have you also coached people in relationships or either, you know, if they're in a relationship or searching for a relationship and having trouble and, and how, um, what types of things have you identified to try to help people un unblock, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Do a lot of work in relationships in those two areas that you just described. Either they're in a relationship and it's not working out, or they want it to be deeper, more intimate, more connected, uh, or they're not in a relationship and they're seeking the perfect, the right relationship for them. And some of the things you just mentioned around like being like your mom or <laughs> your dad, the the simple answer is that when most of us go into our relationships, we're doing it from a place of getting a need met, uh, meaning like we want, we want to feel love, we want to feel connection, we want to feel support, uh, we want something from another person. And that, that stage is called codependency. And so oftentimes what, what we will do unconsciously is we will attract someone that looks or feel, maybe not looks, but feels the way that our parents did, the energy that our parents had to try to get needs met that weren't met in childhood. And so what this creates is this creates these codependent relationships to where we're always looking for another person to fill our needs for us. And no matter how good of a partner, how good of a partner they are for you, they're not going to nail it 100% of the time. 
And so what that leads us to believe is that, oh, this person is, isn't right, or they can never, they can't be there for me, they can't show up for me, they can't love me the way that I need to. Uh, when more realistically, it's like, we don't actually know how to communicate clearly, or we don't know how to receive the love that they're giving us. And also, we don't know how to give it to ourselves. That's one of the most important things when you when people graduate from like these codependent relationships into a sense of independence, where we know how to take care of ourselves, we know how to take responsibility for our lives, and we can give ourselves the sense of love and connection and, and compassion that we're wanting from another person. Um, that's a really big step. And then from this place of like independence, we can then co-create a relationship together. And that's a, that's a really big jump from the way most of us learned about relationships is like some, some fair, fairy tale Disney movie or whatever the model we got from mom and dad. And there's probably some great things about it. And there's probably also some unhealthy things. And so it's our job, if people choose to take on this responsibility, is to acknowledge the things that they don't like about their current relationships and, and what they saw from their, their parents and to start shifting those things. And it's the process is a lot more about going inside and looking at your own stuff than it is around looking outside for the perfect person to fit this imaginary picture you have of a perfect partner. Because if we don't do that, if we don't do the inner work, we end up repeating the cycles. We attract the same partner, relationships go the same way, we have the same arguments, they end the same way um, until we break that pattern in ourselves. Because really what we're doing every time a new partner comes in is we have a, a, like a role. I, I, think, I like to think of it like, the mo like a movie. And so we're the, we're the writers, we're the directors, we're the producers and the, and the main character in the movie called Our Life. And this uh, role of partner has specific characteristics to it. And all we're doing is finding someone to fill that role. And then what we do is we start um, unconsciously manipulating this person to fit this role. And that's what leads to a lot of um, conflict is that uh, we're, we're, we're either not accepting them for the person that they are, or we're trying to fit them into our box of what it of what it looks like. And so all of this, all of this challenge that we're facing is actually more of an internal problem than it is an external problem. Yeah. And I think what's important about what you just said too, is that internal work, because I think a lot of times in society, everyone's quick to blame, like, and myself included, I'll admit it like, oh, I don't like him because he does this wrong, or he texts me too much, or he's a douche or does this and it's and then you move on to the next person and they're all they're exactly the same way or you don't move on to that person because they were exactly the same way and I know myself like I've said this to my friends like I I know what I don't want but I don't know what I want yet and I think it's because I haven't really taken the time to be like to fi figure out internally what that is like what makes like what am I attracted to what is toxic for me what is good for me and that could be different for everyone also based on how they grew up it sounds like yeah yeah absolutely that's that's you just hit the nail right on the head <laughs> and then another question i had for you too is i know you mentioned like independence and someone needs to get to that state before they're codependent so what have you been in a situation where like where you've had to have that conversation with someone where they're codependent before they reach that 
independent state where they were able to kind of be on their alone and, you know, love, love themselves, I guess, before they, you know, um, others can love them. And how, how did you um, navigate that? For sure. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. You know, most, most people in our society, we go from, we are, we're children and we are truly codependent. We're dependent on our parents to keep us alive, basically safe. And, um, and then as we grow up into, into teen years, and then we grow up into what, when we should be transitioning into a, adulthood and taking responsibility for ourselves, oftentimes there's already a partner there and they just slide into the role of mom or dad. So most people don't even have an opportunity to find out who they are independent of a relationship. And it's very possible to do this process with a relationship like if you're already in one or you're or you're married it's possible to do it um, but it requires like a different a, a shift in your mindset a shift in your perspective and it's almost like a period of time where you have to ask yourself uh and this is what what i do with clients is like okay if, if there's something about your partner that is pissing you off or you're frustrated with or it's not it's not what you want asking yourself like what is there like what are they doing and what is it bringing up in you what is the belief that's arising when they do this thing is it oh i'm i'm actually not worthy of love or like uh, uh, of course they're they're going to abandon me that's what men do or you can't actually trust anyone these are all just subconscious beliefs that start arising and when you start asking yourself the, the question of what does their, how does their actions affect me? That's how you can start peeling back the layers of what's actually there. And it's not to say that they're right or you're wrong or, or vice versa. It's just to, to take responsibility for your part of it. And your part of it is how you're responding, like how you're showing up in the relationship. And, you know, my own personal story, I, I went through this and despite like, graduating college and being an entrepreneur and being responsible for my finances and being responsible for my businesses, I still was codependent in my love life. And so I was married and yet I was deriving all of my value as a person by how I could serve her, how I could serve and protect her and provide for her. And one of the things that happened when I was going through this healing work is that if I didn't have that role, I didn't know who I was. Like, I didn't actually know what I wanted. I didn't know what my needs were. And all of, all of my decisions were based around, like, how can I take care of another person? This was just my personal pattern. And, of course, I attracted a person that needed to be taken care of. And what she learned from her uh, mother, especially, was to make her whole life around a man. And to do what he wants, to 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 follow his decisions, to go where he wants, um, and to not really have any needs or wants for yourself. And so, she played into that role for me, and I played into that role for her. So we were just like literally just repeating the patterns of our parents. And when we both came to this realization, it was we were both like, like shit. Neither one of us know who we are. And so she wanted to find out who she was. I needed to find out who I was. And um, for us, it required us to like take some time independently to figure that out and to 
see what was below the surface, to be honest. Anytime people are running across challenges in their relationships, the most empowering thing you can do is to take what I call 100% responsibility. So a lot of times we think in a partnership, it's like, okay, I'll show up with 50 and they'll show up with 50 and we'll, we'll be good. We'll, we'll meet 100 there. But what happens is, is we have some imaginary expectations of what their 50% is and they have some imaginary expectations of what our 50% is. So rarely that lines up and it leaves us falling short in the relationship at any one time. And so I always ask myself and ask my clients to do this is, is what if you were to take a hundred responsibility, like on your side of the table, regardless of what they do? And what would that feel like? What would that look like? How would you show up differently if you took on owning all of your part of this and coming to the table saying confidently and believing confidently, like I'm looking at everything that's on my side. And what oftentimes happens is when one partner does that, the other partner will as well. But if we're always playing this blame game back and forth across the table, um, it's just like, it's this lose-lose situation where someone's always wrong and someone's always right. And so that this, this, this question of 100% responsibility, it's, it's, uh, it shifts the perspective to, can I show up in love rather than can I show up right? And one of my mentors once said that that powerful statement to me is, you can either be right or you can be in love, but you can't be both. And so you get to choose. And so I started asking myself the question in, in relationships. Every time I had conflict, it was like, how can I be wrong in this? And every time I asked myself that question, it wasn't from a place of judging me or from shame or from guilt. It was like, how can I see their perspective? How can I see like more of what's going on rather than just like what I see? My, my really narrow view of what's happening because I'm triggered. And, um, and, and how can I ask, okay, where could I be wrong in this? And um, that was the most empowering thing that I started doing. And when I started noticing where, oh, I actually wasn't fully showing up, I wasn't taking 100% responsibility, I started to shift those things and change those things. And so every time I, I, I came back and there was conflict, I was showing up with more and more responsibility and I wasn't repeating the same patterns over and over again. And it's never perfect, but it's more about the intention. It's like, okay, if I go into a conflict or a disagreement with my partner, if I go in with the intention of loving this person and loving myself, then there's going to be a lot better outcome than if I'm going in thinking I need to be right here. And if they're doing the same thing, I need to be right. And it's it becomes, on the, on the perspective of love, it becomes like a collaboration and a dance of how we can make this work versus a battle of who's going to be right and who's going to win this. And it's a very different type of a relationship. I've never heard it explained that way, but I think that's great. Um, and that's important because like, I'm thinking back to like any relationship or like fling or, or whatever you want to call it that I've had. And it like any argument, it like, I feel like whenever I was in conflict, it was always me just trying to explain, but this is my perspective and this is why I'm upset. And you don't have to like agree with why I'm upset, but I'm, you just have to understand like where I'm coming from, because that's really what it is at the end of the day. Like, because I feel like half the time you're not trying to, 
you know, piss off or, or hurt intentionally your partner if you are in love with them, but everyone's different. Like if you were exactly the same, I feel like that would be a very boring relationship um, yeah. in my opinion. So I think that makes total sense. Otherwise, that's why you're, you would just be in conflict to your point all the time. And that's why people end relationships because they can't mm -hmm. see eye to eye on things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you said there because everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants their perspective felt. They, like, if I'm in a relationship with someone I care about, I want them to know how I feel in this situation. And that's how a lot of healthy discussion starts. But immediately, if we don't know how to manage our own emotions and show up in love, then it quickly turns to uh, either offense or defense. And so one person's playing offense, or the other person's playing defense, and then they're putting more aggressive offense out there so that they can <laughs> win. And it's this yeah. back and forth. And so from that place, no one can be heard. And so if you, if you know how to process and, and feel your emotions, like, oh, they said something that hurt me. Okay. If I can be with that, if I can feel that and like trust that they still love me, I can still show up in love, hear their side of the story, and then also ask for and create a situation where I can share mine from a place of vulnerability. That's, that's the thing that's, that's the step that happens when people do this work and they learn how to process their emotions is they can get out of these protectors, this offense and defense. And they can drop into their heart and they can express from that place. When you feel someone like really sharing vulnerably, it's hard. It, like it, it's, it's hard to be angry with that person. It, it's hard to fight someone who's showing up vulnerably, but nobody wants to be the first one to do it because it's vulnerable and we're afraid we're going to get hurt if we show up vulnerably, but it's actually what healthy relationships demand. It's required for one person to show up knowing that like, okay, if I, if I really share what I'm feeling, if I really put it all out there, they may leave, they may judge me, they may, but I have to do it anyway. And what I see is when, when two people are consciously doing their work and one person shows up to lead in that way, the other person will meet them. And that's how you can work in a healthy relationship. So have you seen people on their own be able to identify that they need this inner work or they need to figure this out um, before like coming to you? And if so, like how have they been able to do that? Most people have some level of awareness and that awareness is just it. it most people would say it like, I'm having the same problems in my life. I'm having the same challenges in my relationship. And the level of awareness is like, it's, it's pretty surface. It's just like, this isn't working. And I don't necessarily know what's not working, but um, I have an awareness that there's a problem. And so what I do is start getting curious and asking some curious questions to, to start digging deeper. Because all of our adult problems, as much as we like to think they are, they're not, they're not actually adult problems. When we go deep enough, they're little wounded inner child problems that haven't been dealt with. And they're just showing up in an adult body, in an adult situation. And so I, we just dig deeper um, with, with questions like, and when was, uh, when was the first time you felt that way? 
Uh, is that the way that mom acted or dad acted? Is that the way you felt around them? How does that make you feel when someone does that? And, and this are all just things that get lower and lower. It's like, oh, I feel, uh, I feel like I can't trust them or I feel like they don't love me or I feel like I'm not good enough. And these, these are starting to get to more like core, core limiting beliefs as opposed to these really surface things like, I don't know how to communicate properly. That's a really surface problem. Um, and it's just like, okay, what's happening in your communication that doesn't feel like it's going well? You know, I get angry every time. Okay, great. Okay. What, what is it that makes you angry? This and that. And I don't feel like I'm heard. And so we just start um, uh, excavating the layers to get down to what's really the problem. We call it the root of the problem. Yeah. No, that's interesting because, again, I don't think people... Think of it that deeply. It's just like, oh, like I, to your point, like I can't. I'm having trouble communicating. They, they don't understand what I'm saying, and it's not looking a little bit more yeah. beyond that. Yeah, and and also I, I say like I, I do this work with an enormous level of compassion because I've done this with thousands of people and and myself included. And I can say honestly that every single person is doing their best with what they know and what they learn. And it's just what we learned, there's some things that aren't actually good for us and we're just playing it out. And so it's, it's no one's fault is what I was getting. It's no one's fault that you're showing up this way. It's just, you're not even aware you're doing it. And so that's where I come in and I support people as I help them be more and more aware of what's actually happening. And, and the reason why this process isn't really sexy because it forces pe- people to face some, some challenging things. They have to start accepting some ways that they're being. And it requires them to shift. Um, it's actually really empowering, but it's hard to do at first. Shifting from a victim mindset of everything is happening to me to I am the creator of all this. And that's, that's a really strong, like that's a strong leap. And that's why I help guide people through that process really gently and carefully. Because if we, if we go through our whole lives being the victim of life, guess what? We're always going to be a victim. And there's always going to be something that's attacking us or harming us or hurting us. And it's, it's, it's not an empower, empowered way to live life or, or live in relationships. And so people usually come to me when they are, they've had enough. They're, yeah. they're experiencing enough discomfort enough pain enough anger enough sadness enough grief and 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 that enough point is unique to every person (laughs) it really is some people need a really high amount of pain to finally change and some people can listen to the more subtle the subtle um signals yeah i feel like and i want i'm interested to hear what you think like i'm more i'm like on the independence route but like yeah. more so where I'm like, I have no desire for a relationship <laughs> right now. But I feel like that's almost a negative thing in itself that some mm-hmm. people say that like, have you experienced any, anyone or any clients like that, that are just like not interested at all? Or like, can you be too independent? I guess is my question. Great question. So what I would ask you is, does it feel like a negative thing for you to want to be uh, solo right now? I don't feel like it is, but I feel like people think it is because I'm like single in my 30s and I'm just not prioritizing it. But there's social norms and everything that 
feel like that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so what does that what does that bring up in you when you think that other people are judging your decision? I mean, I get like I get stressed about it. And then I just feel like I should be doing it or that if I don't, I'm going to run out of time or, or something or um, at some point, like it's in the back of the, my mind, but I just have other things that I'm prioritizing over it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where this work is so unique because we all, all of us, you, me, every person listening knows deep down what's best for them. But sometimes doing what's best for them is in conflict to what other people think they should be doing. And yes. yeah, what is really useful is getting more and more in touch with that deep part of yourself that knows. I call it our, our heart or our soul. The more we can get in touch with it, the more we can trust it, we can feel strong in it, and we won't be swayed by other people's judgments or decisions. And even the idea that other people are judging you is a learned belief. I can say honestly, from doing this with so many people, people are either A, so consumed in their own shit. And is it okay to curse on here? I know I've yes, just cursed a couple. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's very authentic to me. Um, oh, yeah. People are so consumed with their own shit that they have no idea what's happening with you. Or they're so insecure in their own beliefs and their own life that they're projecting their fears onto other people. And so that's what's usually happening is a combination of those two. And as individuals, we get to choose, am I going to accept this person just vomiting their own fears or beliefs onto me? And am I, am I going to really let that affect my life? Or am I going to get to know myself so deeply that I'm going to live the best life that I know how to live, regardless of what these people think? And, and what's interesting, what happens is the more you start to do that, the less you start to notice all these people that are judging you and, and saying you're doing it wrong, you just start to not notice it. I, I don't know. I mean, I actually do know, but without getting into the metaphysical uh, of what's happening there, it's just your awareness isn't on that. You start shifting your belief towards, I trust myself. I know what I'm doing. Um, I follow my heart. Other people support me. Like you start developing these new belief systems. And the old ones just start fading away and the, the people with it as well. And so it's a, it's a funny thing that happens where whatever we believe to be true, our mind will find evidence to support it. And it will completely reject any evidence that doesn't support it. It's a really powerful concept. It's the same idea. Everyone knows this concept where if you're thinking about buying a, a, a red Ford Mustang convertible, and you just decided it one day, all of a sudden you'll start seeing red Ford Mustang convertibles everywhere. Yeah. Like every day, you're like, what? <laughs> what? I never saw these before. Yeah. Exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. If you believe that people judge you, you're going to constantly seek evidence to find, unconsciously seek evidence to find that people are judging you. And, and vice versa. This works in any direction, in any belief. That's that's how we can create our own, own reality is really just through this, through this process. Honestly, it is like a learned behavior. I grew up in Connecticut. That was like the vibe there. <laughs> yeah. Be honest. So. yeah, exactly. 
and, and this this is what I do. It's like it gives people so much. Um, it puts people at, at ease when we just trace it back. It's like, oh yeah, I did learn that. That's exactly what I was modeled. Of course, I'm doing that, and it gives you just a little bit of compassion for yourself and understanding. And here's the really powerful part: is that if you learned it, you can unlearn it and relearn something new. The same way that, yeah, it's it's harder the longer yeah. you do it. Like if if I'm I'm 36 years old, if I were to learn a foreign language today, it would be a lot harder than when I was five years old. For sure, but it's still possible. And it's the same things with these beliefs. The deeper they are and the longer they've been running, the harder it is to shift them, but it's very possible. And, and, it, and, I, and we do it all the time. It's, it's actually a really simple process. Uh, and that little bit of hope for people is really, really powerful because most people walk around every day thinking their identity, the who they are, their personality, how they respond to life is fixed. It's not fixed. It's just learned and you've been repeating the same learnings over and over again. I'm like just trying to process everything you're saying because I'm like, wow, I'm like, I can change my life. Like who yes. knew? People don't yes. know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't. And that's why I do uh, like so many podcasts, like a hundred years, <laughs> yeah. because if nothing else, opening up people's minds to the fact they have a lot more say and control in their life than they were led to believe. And it's, again, it's nobody's fault is everyone's doing the best with what they had. Your parents did the best with what they had and they just passed it down to you. And, and they learned it from their parents and they learned it from their parents. And that's how we get these generational problems until someone breaks it. Until someone breaks the pattern. And then they don't pass it down anymore. That's how we can break these all these things, generational abuse, generational poverty, generational alcoholism, like all these things are able to be addressed and shifted, but it takes the one person to take responsibility for it and to say, no, I'm not going to follow that path that I was taught. I'm going to choose a new path. Well, uh, yeah. And like I was saying before, I feel like that's where I'm coming myself in this identity crisis with why I'm still single at 30, because my mom like grew up in me and was like, you need to get married. You need to have kids. And I'm like, not close to marriage. I don't want kids. And I'm like, crap, like I'm, I'm behind, but it's not like a priority for me. And it's, it's always like kind of been there. So, and I know this generation, like millennials were kind of like, I feel like people are getting married later and later or not getting married. But, and like, I don't care. Like I'm fine with any, with any of that, but it's just different, like generationally, like you were just saying. So sure. it's kind of hard for people to adapt to. And let, let me ask you, um, did you, did your parents marry early? So they, they were late for their generation. Okay. Um, uh, my mom was 28. My dad was 32. Um, okay. so at that time, like she thought she was behind. So I think that's like getting passed down yeah. to, to me. Passed on to you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what I was going to say is we, we either copy or we rebel and do the opposite, yeah. but either way, we're still operating from a learned behavior. It just might not look exactly. It might actually look the opposite. And, yeah. and that happens too. And people are like, no, I'm not acting at all. Like my mom, I'm so far from them. And like, oh, okay. It's like, you're just doing everything that you saw you didn't want. You're doing it the opposite. And, but you're still being controlled by it in a way. Yeah. I would say I'm the rebel of the family. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, <me> too. <laughs> yeah. Nice. 
And then another question I have for you is, is through all of this inner work, do you notice any differences when you're working with men and women, like with the types of like issues that they might come to you with or how you're working with them and anything like that? Yeah, great question. The first thing I'll say is that every person is a human and every human is fighting some version of an internal battle that we know nothing about. And everyone's internal battle looks slightly different. There's slightly different reasons for it. There's different language to it. But everyone is fighting an internal battle, period. And I can say that very confidently. Some, some of them, it may consume them more than others. It may feel bigger. That's the first thing, is that everyone has the same emotions. Everyone has the same inner critic, inner judge. Everyone has an inner child. and Everyone has an ego. And so we all have these commonalities. However, I will say that the challenge of um, a, a male is different than the challenge of a female, specifically because of what we've learned culturally and from generationally what the challenge is. We've literally learned what our challenge is going to be as a woman, and we've learned what our challenge is going to be as a man. So I'll give a, a couple like really universal examples. Um, men are taught systematically, maybe not 100%, but most men, at least in my generation and generations before me, were taught it's not okay to feel. Emotions are not for men. If you show emotion, you're weak. Suck it up. These are all things that we tell our boys. Maybe not so much these days. But it is starting to shift a little bit as people my age are doing their work and they're having kids and raising different kids. And that's a, that's a really common thing. And, and with emotions, it's not okay to feel sad. It's not okay to feel anger. It's not okay to even feel joy or happiness. Um, all of these are built into a lot of us. And so we get a lot of numb men. Numb men that learn to just be in their heads and not in their bodies where their emotions are happening. That's, that's, a, that's a big problem because you can't connect from your mind. You connect from your heart. You connect from your emotions. So yeah. we can't connect. And, and also, we're not really connected to the impact of our actions when we're not feeling emotionally. I'll use this example. I, I, I hunt. I hunt uh, for, for meat. I only eat meat that I hunt. And so when I first got started, I was around a lot of just what you think of as traditional hunters and just killing animals and, and, and feeling nothing, just like out there to shoot animals. And I had one of the most, one of the first spiritual and emotional experiences of my life when I, I killed my first deer. And what happened was I felt this like overwhelming sense of every emotion at one time. It was, it was like, um, it was grief. Uh, it was guilt, it was shame, it was joy and excitement and, um, and pride, and it was sadness, and it was all these things, and anger. And what I realized, though, is that when, when I had that experience, I got so much more connected to how my actions have impact on other things and other people. And I felt that like going forward, that was a big like peak experience for me where before that time, like I was just thinking about it as just, this is an action that I do. But once I started feeling it, it changed my decisions. And I started thinking differently about how I was acting in the world 
because I now had some awareness of, oh, when I do something, it affects other people. A lot of the masculine perspective doesn't usually seem more than just like head down, laser focused. That's the energy of the masculine. It's just go, go, go. And if, if we don't teach our, our boys and our men how to feel, and if we don't teach them how to heal their masculine and their feminine, we just get these like head down, plow over everything in your way, men. And that's what we're taught. And so the challenge for them is learning how to slow down, how to feel, how to tap into um, some vulnerability. And that's really scary for men because it requires you to let go of some control in your mind. And that's scary as hell. So men are very fearful of being uh, emotionally vulnerable. That's where men lack safety. And a lot of the, the women in their lives reinforced that. They emasculated them. They, they, they told them the same things. And so men have locked up and they've felt uh, caged in a lot of ways. And what happens is when you have a caged animal, it's, they, they, they go crazy. They eventually break the cage. And that's what happens is we, we have all these men that are suppressing all these things because we're telling them, you can't do this. You can't do that. Don't do that. And um, the masculine actually learns from making mistakes. They learn from the challenge. And what they're doing, this is why raising boys and, and girls is so different, is boys need to find the limits so they know where they are. If they don't, and if we don't allow them to do that, we have what we have now, which is a bunch of adult men. I'm sorry, we have little boys in adult male bodies that are still trying to find the boundaries of how to operate in the world. But there's a lot more, there's a lot more collateral damage because they're men now. So they're physically able to hurt people. They're mentally able to hurt people. Uh, they have resources to do so. And so that's where the major challenges with men are with women they are generally less physically able-bodied and so almost universally most women are challenged with feeling safe feeling safe physically in the world with other people with men with themselves and that physical safety leads to a lot of like anxious patterning and it doesn't allow women to then drop into their feminine and relax. They're always hypervigilant. And so what we have is we have a society that the men are not aware of their actions and they're usually abused themselves. So they cause more abuse. We have a lot of women that unfortunately, it's much more common than people think that it is that they have been abused in some way, emotionally or verbally, physically, sexually. Most women in my experience, have have some level of that. And it leads them to live in the world in a way that's less than safe. And so a, a lot of women's challenge is, is learning how to show up in, in a vulnerable way, knowing that other people can harm them in some way. And that's, that's, this is actually how I teach women how they can go first in their relationships, how they can lead their relationships, is that if they show up in unconditional love, and I'm using women and men, but it's really masculine and feminine energies. So if you're a woman that identifies more as a feminine, then this would apply to you. And same thing with the masculine. So if you identify more as a feminine being, if you can show up in unconditional love and acceptance, 
and be the essentially the bigger person, you will create an environment for the more masculine to surrender into that, to, to start expressing more because their need is they need to feel safe emotionally. And when they start surrendering into that and feeling more, then they get to create a more physically safe environment. And so it's a co-creation. And that's why the healing has to be done together is when the masculine heals, it helps the feminine heal. And when the feminine heals, it helps the masculine heal. And this is both individually and as a society. But instead of that, the problem with what, what media and culture does is they pit them against each other. And when you blame the other party, the same way we were talking about earlier in relationships, when you're blaming the other party, the other sex, the other person, the other gender, the other whatever, what do they do? They go on defense because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be hurt themselves. And so what we're doing collectively is what the same thing we're doing individually is rather than taking responsibility for our part, we're just blaming the other person and we're blaming the other, the other sex or the other whatever religion or put any label on it. And unfortunately, we've seen it only leads to conflict. It only leads to war. It leads to battles. It leads to hate. And it's not to say that people don't do bad things. They absolutely do. And it's not to say that it's not really, really hard to show up in a place of love when you feel the other person is not. It's really hard to do. And it takes a lot of internal work to do that, but it's possible. And when you do, not only do you create a better environment for yourself, you create a better environment for everyone around you. And I think that's what a lot of people want in their lives, but they don't know how to get there. And the getting there is by taking the personal responsibility and showing up the way that they need to, uh, regardless of what people do around them. And that's really scary. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like it in a relationship, I could definitely see that happening between two partners, heterosexual, homosexual, however you identify with those energies. But I know speaking as myself as like a identifying as like a feminine in society, like mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm wondering like how we could get there as a society, because I know like I'm scared walking down the street, you know? Um, so I'm hoping we could get there one day, but I feel like unless any, everyone collectively, I, you know, does this work, it would be, it'd be hard. Yeah. <sighs> yes. And uh, I, I want to say that on behalf of the masculine in the world, like, we're sorry, we don't know what we're doing, basically, in creating this unsafe world. And I will say that that's almost a, you know, like what you just described is almost universal. And in you sharing that, if there's any masculine people listening to this, it's probably news to them. I didn't know this for the majority of my life. I didn't know that perspective until really? I started doing it. Yes. And that's wow. part of it. That's part of it is when we can't, it, when we don't see the other person's perspective, it's impossible to be in their shoes. And, and until we see their perspective, we, we won't change our behavior. But once we truly feel it, like when I felt one of the first times I, I had a woman share that with me in a deep emotional way, it really affected my whole being. And it changed the way that I showed up with women. It changed the way that I showed up because I didn't want to be part of the problem where a woman was being feeling unsafe in my presence. And so 
unfortunately, there isn't a, uh, a big picture solution for this. There's things that we can do to band-aid it for sure. And, um, and, and my hope is that we do those things. What my emphasis on is on, is on the individual healing not just because I think we have to do it individually with 8 billion people, but what happens is when someone like myself changes so drastically, and I was, I was, could definitely say like I was demonstrating some unhealthy masculine qualities, but when I started learning and I started seeing other people's perspectives and I started going inside, um, I started making some big shifts. And when I show up, it's a model and an example for every person that sees me. And so it gives all these other people something to go towards because most people don't have good models and both men and women, many women don't have great models of how to relate to other women or how to relate to other men. Men, most men don't have great models of how to relate to other men or other women. Yeah. And they don't. And so every time one person does their work and they show up in their highest self and they do their best. It gives other people an example and a model because it takes a lot of courage to do that. But once you do this work, you build more internal courage to like follow your heart and, and like show up what you know is right for you, no matter what other people think. But initially that's hard for people. And so it helps to have people around them that are also doing it. Like for instance, like if, if I were to, to, to do something um, in the presence of of a group of people. And I, I, were, I were to ask you, like, uh, if, if we just met for the, this is a common one, actually. And, and if we were just met for the first time, and I, I would ask something like, oh, uh, do you want to hug or shake hands? Like, that's, that's the first thing that we can do is offer something for consent of another person. But what a lot of people don't do is they just do what's unconscious to them. And so that's one way we can help other people feel safe. And then someone else will witness that, that question. And it allows the other person to relax. They're like, oh, wow, they actually considered what I wanted. Or you could use that for, for any, I know that's a really simple example, but. No, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anytime the masculine considers the feminine, she feels safer. And then other people will notice that too. And it's, it's how we can create healthier communities and healthier communities will change a healthier culture, healthier societies. Um, but it, it happens from one person at a time. The, the word that I use, it's actually one of the taglines of my company. It's, it's be the light. And so if you're, if you're in a place where it feels like darkness, if you shine your light bright, it casts the light outward from you. And so anyone that's around you is going to at least be encompassed by some of your light. And, and in that process, they will sometimes, not always, but sometimes that will cause to them questioning something themselves or them changing something or them becoming aware of something new. Like, oh, I didn't even like, like the, the example of you sharing the feeling unsafe walking down the street. I didn't know it until someone said it to me. And that, that's part of the work that we do is when we do this work, we learn how to communicate to other people what we're feeling what we need when we feel unsafe, like our boundaries. Um, and every time we do that, it, it, it essentially teaches other people too. No, it makes a lot of sense. Like it, it just takes one ripple yep. effect. Yep. 
And I, I get really, I don't know if you can tell, I get really, really passionate about this. Yeah, no, I, I can. <laughs> and I go big picture and also um, more tangible, but I'm, I'm really passionate about it because in, in my world, meaning like my, my friends and my, my company and my clients, like this is the norm. Like people are kind to each other. People are loving, they're, they're, they're genuinely curious about each other. They're, not, they're knowing how to express their own emotions and, and be responsible for them. This is the norm. And I, I share it so passionately because I want people to know that it's possible. And my belief is that that is the human desire is we want to be in love, in peace, in connection, in empowerment. We don't want to be in fear. We don't want to be in disconnection and isolation. We don't want to be in hate. These aren't, these aren't what is natural to us, but we're doing it because we feel like we have to, to, to protect ourselves. Yeah, no, that's what it is. It's all a defense mechanism because we don't want to get hurt. Exactly. Yeah. So essentially when, when you do your work to heal your wounds, you're essentially less raw. If you visually yourself, if, if you were to visualize like every person is having open wounds, everyone is really sensitive. Like if you touch their wound, it like triggers them, right? Think about yeah. if you had an open gaping wound on you. And so as you start to heal your, your own wounds, you're less sensitive. Yeah. And so the more people do that, the less sensitive they are. And they, they realize like, oh, it's not personal. Like, okay, what they said is not personal. And we know how to work through that. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I have one last question for you. I know you've worked with a ton of different people across the spectrum, and this podcast focuses on different geolocations. So I was wondering if you had noticed any differences in addition to like masculine, feminine, um, family upbringing. Like, do you notice differences in like different areas that you've worked with and, and how people relate to each other and, and things like that. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it goes back to the same idea that we, we are a product of what we learn and where we learned it is a big part of it. There is, so I'll, I'll put it this way, in, in, in the most gentle way possible, stereotypes exist for a reason. And not just negative stereotypes, just stereotypes in general. There's some truth in them. And so in different areas, people are more cold and they're more closed off. In other areas, they're more warm, they're more welcoming. In certain areas, people are use politeness. In certain areas, people think politeness is stupid and they don't use it. And in fact, they, they reject it. In parts of the country, it is normal to get married in your teens and early 20s. And I'm just using the U.S., but once you go worldwide, it changes a lot, too. Yeah. Um, for other places, it's, it would be weird if you got married before you were 30 um, in, in some parts of the country. It's, uh, in some areas of the country, it's normal to have like five kids. And that's just normal. You, you start having kids, you just keep having kids. In other parts of the country, it's like you have one kid, maybe, or two kids. And that's like, that's it. So I'm just, I'm, I'm using some generalities, but it helps to paint the picture of when you look at your life, how many of your decisions of what you're calling normal are just the, the version of normal that you were sold and you bought unconsciously. 
This is why I believe so much in travel, especially international travel and like going to very, very, very different cultures is because you realize, oh, what I thought with norm was normal is actually just one of many, many, many versions of normal because here is very different. And when I go to places that are very different, it's oftentimes working for them. It's like, oh, this is like people are happy all over the world and people are sad all over the world. And, and so that, that's one of the words that like I always put in quotations is normal. There's 8 billion normals on the planet. And if we're always trying to fit into someone else's normal, we're always going to fail. Always. Because we there, there's only one version of our normal. And so no matter where you are raised, what part of the world, no matter who you are raised by, what religion, what culture, what society, what government, you have a version of normal. But if it doesn't feel 100% right to you, you get to change it and make your own normal. And when you start doing that, you start realizing how every single aspect of what you previously considered normal and is now different is normal to someone else. And this is what happens is like, as I grow, like my friendships change and they develop and what was normal before is not normal anymore. Like in my twenties, I sat around and watched football and drank beer with my buddies. I hug and tell my, my buddies, I love them. Like I genuinely look them in the eyes and tell other men that I love them because I do. And that would have, that would have scared the shit out of me in my twenties. But like, that's how I developed and I, and I changed and, and the place the bubble that I live in now, that's actually normal. But that's definitely not normal other places. And so that's why I think that traveling is, is really powerful for that. It's almost like an immediate awakening if you allow it to be. Most people travel and they try to find the thing that's exactly like their home life, but in a different country. Yeah. Uh, my is to, to travel outside of the norm. Don't just go to like the country club in Mexico. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um I've I'm a huge traveler as well. I've traveled internationally and I always think it's so interesting to see different cultures and how people engage with each other and even like you were mentioning in the US, like the US is huge. Like it's it's massive and I don't think people fully realize that and how different states can be from one another until you actually go there and experience what it's like especially for more than a quick weekend trip because even like i moved from philly to la and i had visited la um and i didn't actually fully understand la and the life until i moved here and it was like culture shock and it took me a long time um to adjust and my life here is very different from philly just because of the nature of the city um, so it definitely takes time to adapt and figure out, do I like this? Do I like that? And I feel like you don't know that if you never, like I've dated guys who grew up in, in one place and they never left and they're like, well, this is what I like. This is what I know. And you know, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I think it's hard to get other perspectives and really know what you like and don't like unless you, unless you leave. Yeah, it is hard. And that's what, that's what we call, um, in, in at least I call, I call it an echo chamber. An echo chamber is something where you one thing gets said and it echoes back to you a hundred times. And unfortunately, in an echo chamber, you only see one perspective. You only hear one perspective. 
and you gradually start to think it's the only one. And that's what a lot of people are caught in. And you know, our media system does a really good job of this, unfortunately, but a lot of people only watch one channel. They only follow certain belief systems on social media. And it's not to say like, don't follow people you agree in, but I, I actually went through a process where one of my mentors had me follow only people I thought I disagreed with. And I, I had to only see a perspective of the opposite of what I thought was true. And what that did was that gave me so much compassion. It was like, oh, of course, these people believe this. This is all the information they're getting. It's telling them to believe this. So they believe it. And, and same thing over here and over here and over here and over here. And that happens when we grow up in, in one town where everyone's saying the same thing and doing the same thing. Um, we don't really get to see there's other options out there. Like for me, like I was playing out the same story that I learned until I started meeting people from other places. And, and now my work life is different. My home life is different. Like everything about my life is different than it was just a few years ago because I started cherry picking the things I really love about this place, about this place, about this person. And I took only the best things that were, that were good for me. No, I think that makes sense. And there's pros and cons everywhere too. I'm like, yeah. I, like I miss Philly a lot. I, I liked the city, but kind of what you were saying in your twenties, like that was me. Um, but with tequila, I was just going out drinking tequila, but now in LA, like I'm not a huge fan of their going out scenes. So now I am doing podcasting and like doing creative projects that make me grow as a person. So it's kind of like, am I really missing out? Um, it's probably better for my hangover. So let's see how we evolve. Yeah. We do something different and then we see what's, what's good for us. But if we never make changes, we never get to see a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. That's why I challenge clients. I'm like, uh, I was talking to a client uh, just yesterday. He was like, really, he really wanted to quit coffee. He knew it wasn't bad for him. And I'm like, hey, I'm not here to tell you coffee is bad. I don't think it is bad for you. I don't think it's good for you. It's just a thing that you're doing. And I was like, what if you just stop drinking it for two weeks? And then after two weeks, you got to decide. And that was like the amount that he felt comfortable and it was still a stretch for him. But it's, it's one of those things where if we don't give ourselves the opportunity to test it, then we don't actually know. And so just do these little mini tests, like in our relationships with our lifestyle. It's like, what if you just uh, showed up to your partner and, and every morning you said, I love you to them. And just, you just tested that and like really meant it. And your relationship would change catastrophically, like in the best way possible if you did that. Test it, see what happens. Or or test out, um, yeah, whatever. I could go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those like small little habits can small little things. Change. Just try them. Try yeah. something new. See what yeah. happens. Those are all my questions. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to share or add at all. The one thing I would say, I actually share this on almost every podcast, is the best thing you can do for yourself. So you guys heard a lot of information here, and hopefully you took something away. The best thing you can do for yourself to actually apply anything that I said is to slow down. It's to slow down your breathing. It's to slow down your speech. Slow down how fast you're actually moving your body. The reason I say that is because when we slow down, 
we see more of what's happening in our life. We see more of our own behaviors, of other people's behaviors. And when we slow down our breathing, it gives us room to think. It gives us room to choose and decide. And it's in that moment of choice where something, a new choice will appear that we didn't even know was there. And so if, if people take nothing else, anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, triggered, anxious, depressed, insert any label there, slow down and breathe. There's a reason why that saying is like, take deep, 10 deep breaths. It gives you space. It gives you space to think. It gives you space to respond consciously rather than unconsciously reacting. And so slow down, breathe, and um, yeah, your, your decisions will be uh, much more in line with what you want. Yeah, I know. I think that's a perfect way to end on this note because I think we're all of it leading really busy, fast-paced lives, and I think we forget to, to take that moment to slow down. So I think that's a great message for everyone, including myself. <laughs> so thanks yeah. for that. Cool. You're welcome. Well, thanks again for joining me. I think this was a lot of great information. Speaking also of just for myself, I think I learned a lot about things I can reflect on too. Um, so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your, your knowledge with, uh, with me this week. You are so welcome, Ashley. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, have a good one. You too. thank everyone that's helped make this podcast possible specifically kayla mcnulty that helped create the podcast ray zaragoza the kid inside ali bernstein maggie deberardine and Lindsay weiner that all helped contribute in some sort of way you can find us on instagram at swipe swipe west send us a dm with any questions comments suggestions thank you all again for listening have a great rest of your week